Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to his word proclaimed. So over the past uh, four weeks now, we are in the middle of the season of Lent. And Lent is an opportunity for us to, to prepare, to prepare for resurrection, to prepare for when the tomb is empty. But one of the things we have to realize and we have to understand as followers of Jesus Christ is that we can't get to the empty tomb unless we go through the cross. We, we can't fully celebrate exactly what resurrection means in our lives until we are able to, to stand at the foot of the cross and see the great love that God has for us, that, that he stretched out his arms and, and, and he died for each and every one of us. This year uh, for Lent, we are looking at the final words from the cross. And there was something that I, I, I noticed that, you know, sometimes when, when you really focus on something, you, you see things that you don't quite, uh, didn't quite catch before. But the one thing that, that I really focused on this year were these, these seven statements. Is that three of the statements are in the book of Luke. Three of them are in the book of John which leaves one verse left, or one saying left, and that saying, the one that we're talking about today, is both in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's in the Gospel of Mark. So as I was preparing my sermon for today, I started to think, why did Matthew and Mark only have this one particular word. This word that, that isn't in Luke or John, but it is the only word that appears in Scripture in Matthew and Mark. Hopefully as we wind through today, we'll understand the importance of this, this particular word, this particular cry of Jesus as he hung on the cross and died. So I invite you to uh, open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to look at the Mark version uh, this morning. <clears throat> Chapter 15, verses 29 through 36, and you can follow along on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. People walking by insulted him, shaking their heads and saying, Ha! So you are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, were you? Save yourself and come down from that cross. In the same way, the chief priests were making fun of him among themselves together with the legal experts. He saved others, but he can't save himself. 
let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross. Then we'll see and believe. Even those who have been crucified with Jesus insulted him. And from noon until three in the afternoon, their whole earth was dark. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud shout, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you left me? After hearing him, some standing there said, look, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a pole. He offered it to Jesus to drink, saying, let's see if Elijah will come to take him down. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, we come to this word today asking that you open our hearts and minds to to receive the promises through this scripture. We ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me. In the church, we, we call these words that Jesus speaks the cry of, cry of derelic, dereliction. Dereliction means it's a cry of someone in a state of having being abandoned or being, being dispersed from somewhere. A cry of someone who is no longer wanted or needed around. But when we look at this passage, we wonder how in the world could a God who, who we profess that loves us could do that to his only son? A God that, that has his son cry out, my God, where have you gone? Why have you Abandon me. There's good news behind that phrase. The good news is that God did not abandon Jesus on the cross. That that God was there. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, God was there present in Jesus's Midst. See, we have this teaching that, 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 that we use. It, it, it fills some of our songs that we sing, that, that God turns his face away from Jesus while he's hanging on the cross. Now, now this is a very difficult teaching for us to grasp, but, but God doesn't turn his face away from Jesus. God is there with Christ. And and I can say that confidently because when you look at at the breadth of Jesus' teachings, we can see that even Jesus says that God is always with him. John chapter 16, 
Jesus is preparing his disciples for, for when he goes away. And that's the passage where we get Jesus saying, I am the, truth, the, the life, the, tr- the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. And after that verse, he tells his disciples these words. He says, a time is coming, and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. They're talking about the disciples and talking about his believers. But then he says these words. Yet I am not alone. For my Father is with me. Jesus is sharing this promise with the disciples that, that even though he may be abandoned by, by his followers, by those that are, that are cursing at him and, and making fun of him while he is standing on, sit, standing on the cross, he tells them that no matter what happens, no matter what goes on, my Father will be with me. But but he extends that promise in the next verse. That was verse 32. And in verse 33, he says that that promise is true not only for him, but that promise is true for each and every one of us. Jesus follows up and reminds us that I have told you these things, that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I am have overcome the world. See, see, that's the promise of the cross. That's the beauty of the cross, is that even though Christ is hanging and dying, it is a sign that Christ is overcoming the world for us. And that way, when, when we have trouble, when we have hardships, we can proclaim the good news that we say often from Romans, at the end of Romans chapter 8, that there is absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God. I, I think sometimes when we think about sin, we, we think that God cannot handle our sin. It's like God's kryptonite. That, that, that no matter what happens, God, God cannot even be around sin. But, you know, God looks sin squarely in the face and says, no, you do not have the last word. I have the last word through my death and through my resurrection. That is the power that I have over those things that separate you from me. So why is Jesus saying these words? Why is Jesus claiming this, these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, Jesus is a rabbi. Jesus is teaching, even on the cross. He is teaching those, his disciples, he's teaching the the leaders of the law, the leaders of of the temple. He is teaching them and reminding them of a certain section of psalms that, that we often read and we love. These psalms are called the shepherd psalms from, from, from Psalm 22 to Psalm 24. And while Jesus is hanging on the cross, he is reminding 
the people around them, that he is their shepherd, that he is the one who has come to help and give them life. <clears throat> we have that sense of abandonment at the beginning of Psalm 24, but we move to Psalm, 20, Psalm 22, verse 24, we have these words. For he has not despised or abhorred their affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. See, Jesus is letting those around know that, that, that God is there with him. And Jesus will always be there as the shepherd. The, the 22nd Psalm reminds us that the shepherd's role was to give his life for the flock. See, that, that's how you knew a good shepherd. A good shepherd would go out whenever there was trouble, when there was danger, and he would face the adversary that would come and, and, and try to take, take over the flock. He would stand in front of the lions. He would stand in front of the wolves. He would stand in front of anyone or anything that would come to hurt the flock. And then we're familiar with Psalm 23. Most of us has the 23rd Psalm memorized. And when we have those times of desperation in our lives, we, we say that in our heads. And it reminds us that the shepherd is there to tend his flock. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, we shall not fear, for God is with us. And we end at this, this remarkable scripture with the very end where it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And while we have the protection of our shepherd, while we have the provision of our shepherd, Psalm 24 reminds us that we have a reward because of our shepherd. We have a reward because our shepherd is there for us. So Jesus saying these first lines of Psalm 22 is reminding his listeners those back jeering at him around the cross and us today that I am your shepherd and I am here for you and will never abandon you. But we have to remember that Jesus was not only fully God, that he was also fully human. And he deals and dealt with the exact same emotions that we deal with. So I am sure while Jesus is standing up on the cross and he has these people jeering at him and he's holding on to life, that he does feel abandoned. And my friends, I know I've had times in my life and I know that you may have had times in your life or you may be going through something right now where the only thing you can do is yell out those words 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you in my time of need? I remember teaching K through five in Wichita, Kansas. And while I was teaching, I had a, a string of three or four things just blow up in my face. You know, I, you know, I'm fortunate to celebrate my 14th anniversary with Tracy, but I was married before I was married to Tracy. And, and during my, my fourth year of teaching, my marriage fell apart. My dad passed away a few years before that. And I had a really close friend who died around this time. I remember sitting behind the desk after school was over trying to get caught up on lesson plans, trying to, to get ahead for just the next day so I can just breathe. And as I sat there, a song played over the radio that I had next to me. And I broke down. And I stood there in the middle, probably quite a sight, standing in the middle of a music room, just yelling and screaming to God, Why? Why did you allow this to happen to me? Why, why do I have to go through, through all of this? But then I had a voice, a voice that came to me. And I said, Chris, you're not alone. I am here. When you feel disheartened, when you feel troubled, I am with. And then I felt peace. I felt that God was with me and God was truly there giving me the strength I needed to move through the day. My word for us today is that you may be going through something right now. You may be going through something that, that you feel like that God is so far away. But the promise is that God is our rock and our fortress. God, even through our pain, can, can take that pain and make something totally beautiful out of it. And I was thinking about finding, you know, is there a way that we can give you the ways to help to battle discouragement this morning? And there are, there are ways out there. You can look them up on Google. You can look them up and find ways to do it, but there, there is a way that I know in my heart that allows us to deal with those moments where we feel like God is so far away. And that is just to reach out. Reach out and pray and allow God to, to be there in the midst of your pain. Be there in the midst of your anguish. Be there when you feel like no one else is there. There's a promise at the end of Psalm 22, where Jesus starts out by saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The psalmist ends with these words. They will proclaim God's righteousness. They will declare to a people yet unborn, 
He has done it. So my friends, as we continue in this Lenten journey, let us hold on to those words when we are discouraged that he, that Christ, has done it so that we may have life and we may have life abundantly. Let us pray. Dear God, we can get to our lives. We, we can feel discouraged. We can feel disheartened. And Lord, there are times, even today, when we look at, at the news, when we see the internet, when we hear people talking around us, that we can be discouraged, that we can feel a weight so heavy upon us that we wonder if we can go on. But you give us the promise. You give us the promise as our shepherd that, that you are protecting us. You give us the promise as our shepherd that you will provide for us. And you give us the promise as our shepherd that you will reward us, that you will never leave us alone. God, as, as we look at these words of Jesus, help them be a model for us. Help them be a way that we can grasp the fullness of your love, the fullness of your power, the fullness of your grace, so that we can extend that grace to others so they may come and accept you as their Lord and Savior. So Lord, we lift these things up to you. In the strong name of the one who hung on the cross for us, Jesus our Lord. Amen.